welcome to the Real Housewives of Hockey. First, I'd like to introduce to you Evan Lee. Hey guys, I'm a Canadian American, born in Montreal, sort of raised in Jersey in my formative years. Rip. A lifelong Habs fan. I uh, got to watch Broder and kind of sucked because uh, when I moved down to Jersey, didn't really get to watch hockey actually for a couple of years. But I got to see uh, the Devils implode with Kovalchuk leaving, so all fun there. Yeah, just currently a uh, depressed Habs fan, so I'll move it on to uh, Stu. Hi, I'm Stu. I'm currently a postgraduate uh, sports journalism major at Centennial College. My undergrad in journalism at Carleton University in Ottawa. Done some some play by play work for Carlton men's women's hockey and Queens University in Kingston men's and women's hockey. Grew up a Leafs fan, suffering Leafs fan. It's good to see that the team is doing better these days. But uh, looking forward to talking some hockey with you guys. I'll pass it over to my little bro. Riley, take it away. Yeah. So uh, my biggest asset that I bring to the team is I know both of these guys, uh, unfortunately. So my job was to bring them together and uh, pick their brains and learn from it. I myself am a Sharks fan, and uh, in light of Timo Meyer being the literal existence of God, I'm been quite a delightful. For the most part, the season doesn't look great, but it doesn't have to. This isn't our year. Jumbo's gone. He's going to win a cup in Florida. We're living large. We're doing all right. So our topic today was I was bored and decided what would happen if we were to shake up the league a little bit. So what I came up with actually with my dad over dinner was what if every team headed into playoffs, got to pick and add a player from a team that missed it. And it would start with, sorry. Also a concept. Previously done by the great Dan Goes Brown. A little bit of credit goes to him. Credit should definitely go to him. Unfortunately, it didn't come up that way, but he definitely deserves the credit for the idea. So we ended up doing a draft and debating who should have been picked for last year's playoffs. The team that got to pick first was the last team to make it in, and then following all the way that way till the President's Trophy winner. So... I'll kick it off to Evan because he's the suffering Habs fan who got to watch the Cinderella run. Who would you add, Ben? Yeah, so <clears throat> we had a couple of picks here. Definitely a center for the Habs because uh, we all know about the Habs center deficiency and you know we also can't score. At first, it was tantalizing to think about you know bringing in some offensive dynamo, but couldn't do that. It didn't make any sense. So we had to sort of figure out some sort of two-way but good-scoring player. So our short list for that was Hurdle, uh, Couture, Couture, and Kopitar. But we all thought that <clears throat> those would all be good fits, but I'm going to give a lot of credit to Stu about uh, bringing up Kopitar. So Stu, maybe you want to talk about that a bit? I just thought that in, in terms of matchups. If you can roll Anze Kopitar as your top-line center and then Philip Deneau as your second-line center, it's pretty scary for the teams in, in the playoffs. Anze Kopitar adds that 
the offense that they had might have been missing. And I just thought that it, it gave them a, a real solid one-two punch that scares you in the playoffs. So just to like jump in quickly, the other main debate that we had in the end, I don't, Evan, were you going to talk about this or? Oh, you can go ahead. Okay, yeah, sorry. I just don't. I don't want to jump on your toes here. Yeah, no okay. So yeah, we looked at and went to like the playoff stats of it were Kopitar and Hurdle, and they were virtually the same. So what it came down to was who has the ring and who has a little bit more scoring. And that came down to Kopitar in the playoffs. Kopitar has more career like points in more games, but we just took the volume and the experience in the end. Yeah, very well put. Definitely that cup experience. Can't underestimate that. So next up is we had the Jets. And for the Jets, I I don't agree with the the pick that happened. So I'm going to let the other two (laughs) explain their side first. They're wrong. It's fine. Maybe maybe you think we're wrong, but, you know, we'll we'll see later with the results. But I really, uh, you know, pushed for uh, Jacob Chikrin for the Jets because I think we can all agree that, like, the Jets are weak on defense relative to the rest of their team. I mean, their top six is... Pretty good top six, you know, can uh, hang with the best of them in the league, and then Pelipuk can just carry them as long as he can possibly can. But that defense, ever since like Dustin Bufflin just went AWOL on them, they they haven't had that big hard hitting defenseman that could like log all these minutes and like score goals and stuff. And that's exactly what Chickering can do. You know, he can play that Jets style hockey. Yeah, I was I was really in agreement with that. There um, provides some offense from the back end. is a is a physical guy. I I really thought that that was the piece that made the most sense for the Winnipeg Jets here. All right, so I really did. So hear me out. You you guys made my case for me. You want a guy who can do that offense, but you mentioned how good their top six already is. So you don't need a guy that does that goal scoring. You need a guy that does the setup game. And you said a guy that logs minutes. No one logs more minutes than Thomas Shabbat. He's stuck on that Ottawa team, waiting and just wilting in the friggin' sun as a, like, as a flower. Get him on that Jets team. You roll him with both your top two defensemen, you just drop, you roll 5D essentially, and you're still good to go. Hellebuck would thank me, because if you have the puck and you're stretch passing it to Nick Ehlers, who, you know, everyone calls the slowest guy since Hal Gill, you should do okay. Healthy debate on that pick, but two, v- two versus yeah, one. Yeah, def- definitely one. It wasn't a, it, we didn't it's come to a conclusion. This was one where we, ha- I was outvoted. And I'm okay with it, I swear. <laughs> Alright, we'll see. <laughs> Alright, and then Stu, you want to take St. Louis for us? Alright, moving on to the St. Louis Blues. We had some healthy debate around a number of different players. But ultimately, it came down to just adding another center to make them deeper down the middle. Like we talked about with Montreal. You need to be deep down the middle in the playoffs. And Sean Couturier was just Clearly the guy. <laughs> Having Sean Couturier and Ryan O'Reilly, they're basically, they're kind of carbon copies of each other. So you get both of them. 
your penalty kill is going to be fantastic. They both contribute offense. They're both good in their own end. It just made too much sense to add another guy that's basically Ryan O'Reilly to a team that already has Ryan O'Reilly and won them a Consmite Trophy. Now, Stu, do you remember the first person you wanted to replace and some people that we debated with for that spot? There were some, there were some names there. Well, the first person you wanted to, to replace was, you said, they oh, don't yeah. have a goalie. Yeah, my first inclination was get Jordan Bennington out of there. He's been terrible in the playoffs. Uh, other than other than his magical cup run. Yeah. But ultimately, it came down to let's improve that forward corner. So some other names that came up, I believe, were Dylan Larkin. Were I'm trying to remember who else. It was mainly Dylan Larkin, maybe JT Miller. Came up yeah, as well. Yeah, it was more two way. It was yeah, JT Yeah, because yeah. um, another sort of two way, two way center can play some wing for you if you need. Um, but ultimately, Kachuri is just better. Yeah, again, it's just crazy hard to match up against. Is that all we want to say yeah, on the blues pick? Oh, sorry. I think just to add very quickly. Yeah, go for it. I think. I- yeah, just that very quickly. I think we actually looked at the um, the scoring the first round against the Avalanche when the Blues played them. Um, like the scoring was like pretty actually like anemic for some reason in those four games. Like they had barely any people scoring for them, and so you know we decided that that was more important because so it's like you know like sure the goalie's one part of it, but it's like if you can't score goals, you can't win games. So. I think that was also a deciding factor in the pick for a forward. As Miko Koskinen famously said, I can't score goals. Nice. <laughs> All right. There you go. That's a good one. So, yeah, getting on with the Preds. With them, we decided D-Core, good. UC Soros, good enough. Why not add a forward? Even though they have a lot of guys who were scoring for them last time, we figured, let's add a big name. Why not add a guy who is in the heart contention? So we decided Patrick Kane is the guy. And I fought for Patrick Kane a little bit because there was thought of Panarin. But my thought was align with Patrick Kane, Matt Duchesne, or Ryan Johansson, and Philip Forsberg sounds pretty unstoppable for just putting the puck in the net because they'll all do the playmaking. They'll all do the goal scoring. It's wonderful. I liked the idea of Dylan Larkin here um, for a little bit until Patrick Kane was just, just made too much sense. But uh, I like Larkin because the Predators forward pretty fast. Like you've got, you've got Mikhail Granlund, who's a fast, who's a speedster. Um, Philip Forsberg's pretty fast. Um, Matt Duchesne's been known in his career as a, a premier skater. I thought add another add another speedster like Larkin, but in the end, the the points you can get from Patrick Kane is just it's just, you just can't argue. Well said, uh, Evan. Do you have anything to add to that pick or? Yeah, I mean, like, I think we can all agree that, like, Nashville never 
never has had like a real bona fide superstar in the NHL, right? Like they've never had like a real consensus franchise player. So just adding that that reputation to their lineup, like just the, the just the offense, because you know Patrick Kane is just all offense. You know when they already have like a, a defense, I think is pretty well regarded, and they had UC Saros, who's, who's a pretty good goalie for them. You know, I think that that made the most sense. Abs fan with the huge slight to Shea Weber. I love it. <laughs> I was waiting for that too, Stu. I was wondering if you would say it or if I would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to the Islanders. So for the Islanders, I really had to put myself in the headspace of Lou. What would Lou want? And as soon as I figured out exactly what Lou would want, it had to be Matt Kachuk. It had to be. You look at the guys that he likes. He likes Andres Nilsson. He likes Bavillier. He likes Matt Martin on term. He liked Leo Komarov until he said he wasn't going to play him, and then they had a falling out. But, you know, I don't blame Leo Komarov for wanting to play hockey. So Matt Kachuk, playing on a line with one of one of the best players in the league in Matt Barzell and Andres Lee. Are you kidding me? One, no one's going near Matt Barzell. You breathe on the guy, you're getting a punch in the face. Two, Matt Kachuk is a premier finisher in the league. He's a crazy good net front presence for his frame. And he's going to get you at least five hits a night. He just brings the Lou qualities and a lot of the same like playoff performer qualities that you look for. And once I kind of brought that name up, the other two just kind of agreed. <laughs> I mean, anything to add? Nan well, I'm going to say begrudgingly. Evan, go for it. I mean, just no. I mean, the only reason why I said that was, I mean, before you, you know, you brought the hammer down on us with Kachuk and what would Lou want? Because I mean, that's a good, that's a good point. But you really leaned into that, we'll say. Like I, my my initial thoughts was to bring in like some sort of other dynamic scorer besides um, Matt, uh, Matt Barzell because we've seen them make it all the way to the conference finals, and then when Barzell gets shut down, he tries to do too much, you know their scoring kind of maybe dries up a bit. So, you know, my, my initial idea was to just bring in another kind of superstar kind of player, you know, like kind of what we did with the Preds, bringing in Patrick Kane, some of that status to, you know, help them along when, when they're in scoring ruts. There is some joke about stealing our Sammy Panarin from the Rangers because obviously Rangers to the Islanders be hilarious. Well, and Boone but- Jenner too. Oh, yeah, and then Boone Jenner is another what-would-Lou-do type of player. But at, in the end, Makachev just made so much sense for that Islanders club. And then the next pick, I'll let I'll let the other two decide on that because I also fought this and have a little <laughs> bit on this one, too. <sighs> all right, all right. Let me, let, me, let me preface everything like this about the Oilers. Stu, what's the Oilers' biggest problem? The Oilers' biggest problem in net is in net. Defense. Well, their defense last year was honestly fine. Darnell Nurse was healthy and playing like a stud. Tyson Berry was playing 
Hi, dog. He's playing his mind out offensively. And apparently was the only player to be a plus for the Oilers on defense last year in the playoffs. Odd. But ultimately, we don't trust Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. Sorry to Mike Smith, who's from Verona, uh, Ontario. But he's just... He's past his prime for sure at 39. He was at 39 years old last year. Um, and has just, he's yeah. had, some, he's had so many ups and downs in his career that it scares you going into the playoffs. And we felt like we needed to take a strong goaltender to really give Connor and Leon a chance at making a run. Yeah, and then if, if I can add just one more thing to that, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, Markstrom certainly has some experience playing behind, you know, uh, Canucks teams that weren't that great and being able to carry them. So, you know, we thought that you know Markstrom could do the same for uh, for the Oilers here. But uh, I'll, I'll pass it over to Riley because you know clearly he, he really agrees with us on this. Well, you guys are out here saying a nine twelve is garbage. That you can't trust a nine twelve. A 9-12 is the reason why you lose a playoff series. Not, you can't do it, although every single shot that got scored on was a high-quality shot. Not that you have no forward depth. Not that if you add a defenseman, you trickle down. And Stu mentioned Darnell's being healthy. Yeah, he's their entire decor. And because if I say defense, I don't count Tyson Berry. When you have him out, you have five forwards out. So if you add that defenseman... Four forwards. Quick math. Four forwards. You're correct. If you add that defenseman, you trickle down <laughs> a lot of help, and you help the person that has the 9-12 for you. What did Carey... Do you guys know what Carey Price had last year in the playoffs? I don't remember. Like a 9-26? What do you mean, like his... Yeah, he finished with the yeah, nine. Yeah, he's pure numbers. Yeah, like, he was he was he was well he was well in the nine twenties easily. At one point, he had like nine thirty something. Yeah. yeah. So a nine twelve isn't isn't crazily far off from a nine twenty. I mean, it's decently far off. It's eight point. <laughs> but uh, okay, buddy. <laughs> good try. Ah, yeah, you can try. Yeah, you can try there. All right, well, you literally, we picked John Gibson, whose playoff stats were garbage. We left Jordan Bennington in, whose playoff numbers were way worse than this. And we even, like, I'm trying to think of all of the teams that, like, are in the playoffs who we didn't give a goalie, whose playoff numbers were, were probably worse. Jack, yeah, but didn't have yeah, the, the only thing with the Bennington thing is, like, he, he did win them the cup that, that one run, so. Yeah, that, he did. So, yeah. Right, so, so give you credit where it's due. I I thought they I thought Shabbat was still on the table. You give the Oilers Thomas Shabbat, and like Mike Smith is gonna his numbers will go up, and you have a guy that can stretch pass so well. He learned from Eric Carlson is a better skater than Eric Carlson. Logs thirty minutes, so you now don't have to rely on Darnell Nurse forever. But once again, I was outvoted, so we move on. Moving on to the Boston Bruins. This one was a pretty consensus pick. We thought last year you look at the Bruins, they needed another defenseman. So why not give them 
the guy who won the Norris in Adam Fox. Because if your one two is in on defense is some mix of Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy, have fun. Because both of those guys are fantastic skaters, good in the offensive zone, both work real really well on your power play. Uh, it just made too much sense not to give the Boston Bruins Adam Fox. And just one thing to add in, because like there is the idea that you could float of, do they need another off, pure offensive defenseman? And we kind of decided Adam Fox because their forward core has Bergeron, Marchand, like has Charlie Coyle, guys who are very responsible on their own end, as well as being forwards. So we thought adding the Norris winning defenseman made more sense than going for a Thomas Shabbat route, going for a more defensive route in like Zach Wierenski, something like that. And as Stu had pointed out so well, he won a freaking Norris. Also, they had David Gracie at center last year going in, like in the playoffs. He was a solid, very solid number two before he decided to jump over to the Czech Republic to, to finish his, his illustrious hockey career back at home. And good on him. It's middle of a pandemic. Might as well be at home. Have you um, heard if he's going to the Olympics? Uh, I am not sure. Yeah, me neither. But uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Good on, good on, good on David Krejci for his NHL career, and good on him for continuing it, <laughs> continuing his pro hockey career. Um, <sighs> moving on to the Minnesota Wild, we were all in agreement here. The Minnesota Wild's biggest need was a center. As good as Joel Eriksson is, and as good as he continue, as he rises up the the ranks, um, he's taken taken his time a little bit, but he's become a one of the the, the premier, I would say, defensive player, defensive forwards uh, in the league, and he got Selkie votes last year. But we decided they needed another. They just needed another guy like that. And one of the best options for defensive forwards left is Thomas Hurdle, guy who can play center, can play wing, gives you a ton of versatility uh, in your lineup. He could be your one C. He could be your two C. He can play in the wing if you wanted to do something like Erickson Eck uh, with Hurdle and Kaprizov. He just made a lot of sense for that wild team to make them uh, a, a deeper forward core because um, they're they're good on D. Their goaltending's been good. Thomas Hurdle was was the guy. And one other thing that we brought up, even though like totally thought it, it kind of came up as a joke, but it is realistic. They lost a lot of games in OT in that first round, and being a Sharks fan who's watched a fair share of Hurdle in the clutch, if you will. But he's clutch. He loves to score in the final minutes to tie games. He loves to score. Let's review. You're down in the series. You're on a penalty kill in overtime, and you snipe it on Marc-Andre Fleury to push it to Game 7. And in the Game 7, I believe you have a two-goal game, but he's clutch. Helpful for any team. Yeah, uh, also very good points there, bro. 
And moving on to the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, we decided, as I think a lot of us saw last year, that Tristan Jari has been a good regular season goalie, just has not cut it in the playoffs. So we decided to go with Thatcher Demko. A little bit of a, an off-the-board pick, but when you're going through some of those non-playoff teams last year, there aren't a ton of options in goal that really scream, this guy's going to carry you to, to a Stanley Cup. But just remembering that bubble performance from Thatcher Demko for the Vancouver Canucks and taking them way further than anybody could have imagined, uh, we thought... Roll into the net in Pittsburgh. Maybe there's a little bit of Matt Marie-esque magic to Thatcher Demko that makes him a, a playoff performer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Um, and I, pass, I pass the baton off to Riley. So, this one is interesting. This is the Leafs. Now, Stu is the Leafs fan and the Leafs expert. I grew up a Leafs fan. Yes. And unfortunately, I am required to say by journalism laws. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Down goes Brown. I have no idea. He, wait, he's a wild fan, right? So it's weird that I'm going to be the guy to take the lead for this. But the reasoning for it was my colleagues decided they wanted insurance for defense for the Leafs. And I had to remind them, we're going into the mindset of before the playoffs start. We don't get to predict injuries. So And that last year, pairing of Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall was very, very solid. And then, but because of recency bias and that pair not being as solid this year, I was really thinking defense, personally. Yeah. But as Riley points out, we were supposed to take ourselves back to last year and remember going into the playoffs. And going into the playoffs last year, the Leafs needed more of a top six forward add than they needed a defenseman. And so it, there was some debate of who that six that like top six forward would be. Jason Robertson, still available, but he looked like a pretty really good option. But I, this was my case I gave, mainly pleading to Stu. Hey, Stu, do you like Zach Hyman? Yes, he was very good. Yeah. Good and, at his job. And his job was what? Go get the puck. Go get the puck. So Be on the forecheck. Be on the forecheck. Be in front of the net. Garbage. And no one knows garbage better than Brady Kachuk. That guy's willing to battle. He's going to put up more hits than Zach Hyman. He's going to get the puck. I also made the argument that he's the kind of guy that if you have the puck, they don't. And you put him on a line with Austin Matthews to do the dirty work? Ew, that's gross. And, you, and like Mitch Marner's your other guy out there? Man, he's going to create space for them. He's going to give them beautiful opportunities. And people forget. The Kajaks may be play a gritty game, they know how to play the pretty game. And stealing Ottawa's future captain was just kind of too much fun of a, an opportunity to pass up. And then I pass it to yeah, Evan. And if I, oh. 
Yeah, no, I mean, if I can add like one last thing there, Brady gives him that fire, you know, especially in the playoffs. Jose, you know, he can bring everyone into the fight. Um, That's something that I feel like, especially as a Habs fan, you know, whether this is perceived as bias or not, like, you know, at least have that cloud of choking over their head. But I mean, you know, especially when it comes to like game six, seven type scenarios, and like having a guy like Brady definitely help. Well, and um, moving Sheldon, on to the Caps, unless Stu, do you have one more thing? Yeah. Well, Sheldon, Sheldon Keith called out the Leafs last night after their performance in New York for being too soft twice. Nobody's gonna say you're too soft when you've got Brady Kachuk. <laughs> I mean, Ryan Reeves begs to differ, but hey, well, um, what am I to say? Speaking of Ryan Reeves, <laughs> tell us about the Capitals, Evan. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I think we, we were all pretty much in, in agreement with this. You know, we're looking at, like, uh, the Caps. I, you know, I think we can all agree they're pretty, pretty good forward core, you know, well-built. There's a good amount of depth there. Defense, sure, we could maybe add, but I think the perception last year, pretty solid defense. And there wasn't I'm not gonna a, blow you out of the water scoring one. There wasn't a ton left in terms of stellar defenders looking at the teams <laughs> remaining there. Uh, so we go to net. And in net it yeah, was yeah. I think that's a really good segue for us here. I think the perception last year going into the playoffs would be, you know, like who's your goalie gonna be? Because the entire year the cast were running a tandem of Anacek. Samsonov, Samsonov that year, last year, did not necessarily have a good season. I know he was injured, in all fairness to him, but again, the numbers weren't necessarily the best. And Vanacek was, I think, okay. I think that's probably the right word to use um, overall. So you know, giving him a guy like John Gibson, who, who's shown in the past that you know he could, he could play really well, um, and also just pulling the core guy out of Anaheim, who's like just offensively anemic over the last like 4,000 years at this point. Or a guy like starts the season like a Vesda candidate, and then eventually, you know, he just can't, just can't carry them anymore. And you know, he starts to let in more and more goals. So, give uh, John Gibson uh, <laughs> an actual shot here. And the greatest goal scorer, uh, perhaps of all time. Hey, I don't think he's saying no to that. Yeah, and I've said it better myself. You want to take us to the Panthers, Evan? Yeah, let's let's move on to the Panthers here. Last year, Florida Panthers, really, really exciting team to watch. Kind of kicking them alive again, I think. And personally for me, they were my dark horse to win it all. I think we could see that. I mean, that their trade deadline acquisition of Sam Bennett with, you know, having Eclair Bennett and Huberto just go in and just absolutely torch other teams for like 10 games straight or whatever it was. It's just, it was unreal. Right, and then the fact that I mean that's just one line. You got another line with Barkov. I mean, any line with Barkov, I think, you know, it's pretty well set. Um, not to mention that like Carter Verhage was just like on absolute steroids after he goes from Tampa to, to the Panthers and just becomes like an all-world player. And yeah, I mean, you know, everything was looking up for them. So you know, we we kind of debated everything, but uh, you know, going back to Sam Bennett here, I guess like we perceived their center depth as a potential point of improvement 
And so we looked at who was left, and Dylan Larkin fit the bill. The guy can play 2C, I think, comparably in a contender team. And, uh, yeah, he can play fast, too. They play fast. He plays fast. You know, what's not to like? Yeah, I just want to make one comment. The other part of it was, one, I'm from Kingston. Call me a France fan. I got to watch Sam Bennett like crazy, so I don't want to disrespect the guy saying he doesn't deserve to play 2C. But we can all agree Dylan Larkin's a better 2C and that makes Sam Bennett your 3C. That gives you a lot of depth, and putting him in a, in a 3C role, or on the wing, he plays some wing, beside Carter Verhage, that's a scary two-way line. So we just thought rolling into playoffs, that really helps you, that push-down, trickle-down effect. Yeah, that changes scenery. Getting out of Calgary, getting away from those, those expectations, and being that fourth overall pick, I think really... Sort of gave Sam Bennett a, a jump to his game, and why not have him as a, a jump to a jump to your game and playing against other teams' third lines? Um, and as as we've seen, when when he did make the playoffs in Calgary, he was a a playoff force, um, just a, a guy that loves playing in the playoffs and coming for big moments. So. You get to shift that down the lineup, add some speed to that second line. It just made made tons of sense, and they didn't really need help in any on D. Didn't need help in goal. Really, You've got two options in net with Spencer Knight and Bobrovsky. So Dylan Larkin was the the pick. And then Stu, you want to continue us on with the uh, the Canes? Moving on to the. Carolina Panthers, no, oh. Carolina Panthers, wrong sport, that's uh, football, uh, <laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes. It's good! Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, this is a team that in net, they were solid last year, on D, they're one of the best team cores in the league, so we just thought, give them another guy up front, and we're running, running out of teams <laughs> to pick from here. And thought that give them a give them a guy with playoff experience, give them a, a veteran, uh, a guy who will literally use his face uh, to to help you win games, and that's Joe Pavelski. Adds a, a fantastic element to your power play. Is a guy that can play um, can be a third line center, can play some wing. Um, obviously, Riley's. A big fan, um, being a former San Jose captain. Uh, Come home. He he just made a lot. Of, he made a lot of sense to to adding some depth to that to that Hurricanes team. Yeah, uh, so we debated this pick again. With we wanted to give them a winger. We wanted to give them someone who would score goals. So we looked at his teammate Jason Robertson, but we thought just with the team that. Carolina are, they have a lot of Jason Robertson like guys in Shvenchnikov. Like they have a lot of those skill wingers in Taravinen. And Joe Pavelski has been on the Selkie ballot. Like he's been voted for four Selkies. He has a 55 goals on a season. And he hasn't looked like he's slowing down. He's a big tip guy. And they don't have a lot of crazy good net front presence, especially for their power play. So that and he draws a lot of penalties was another big thing that we found was 
adding that in the playoffs, anytime you can get that man advantage, it's a huge advantage. Evan, anything to add to that pick, or are you happy with that? I guess, I mean, maybe two tiny things, like what you guys were saying, I think he adds another dimension and makes, you know, the the Hurricane, I almost said Panthers, the Hurricanes, uh, a forward court just more dynamic with that net front presence. I mean, those gritty kind of goals, the playoffs are hard to come by. I mean, just Joe Pavelski can get it done for you there. And leadership, right? We didn't even say, mention that leadership. I mean, the character in the locker room, leadership that he can bring. I mean, that's immense too. Feel like duck hunting, he'll bring you along for that. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. And, uh, I mean, come on. It's Captain America himself. It's Joey Paps here. Come home. Now I'm sad. <laughs> we made the shark fan sad, everybody. All right. There you go. Moving on to the Avalanche. So, the Avalanche. They were viewed as a super team going into last year's playoffs. The goaltending, Philip Grubauer, he looked good. Any disagreements on that, boys? No, he looked really good. You know what? I think he was a good goalie for them. Yeah, he looked really good. It's hard to remember that, looking at how just shitty he is in uh, Seattle. But the whole team of Seattle looks bad. bad. Yeah. Like, I don't blame him for it, but it's hard to remember what he used to look like, you know? I don't know how people... I don't know how many... How so many people thought that Seattle were going to be a playoff roster. It's just Vegas hangover. I agree. I, I looked at Seattle and went, "That's not a playoff." <laughs> so, what do you give? Yeah, what I, do you, I don't know. Kind of a kind of a questionable move from Group Bauer to just say, "Hey, all right, guys, see ya," and then go off to Seattle when he was on a team that everyone considers to be one of the preeminent, like on the cusp teams, you know, to win the cup next. So. So, funny enough, I was the one that suggested this pick, and in hindsight, reviewing right now, in this moment, I want to change my pick. So, the, last, the three teams that were last here had the option from picking from Columbus, from New Jersey, and from Buffalo. I think they should have taken someone else from Columbus. I want to give the other two a chance to try to guess who that other Columbus player is. Would it have been Zach Borenski? No. Patrick Liner. That's the one. So we said they didn't. Yeah, you had. I, okay, can, I, can, I, can I add, like, can I, like, guess why here? Yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, player. They got Nathan McKinnon, Nico Rantanen, Gabriel Anderson. Three headed monster, one of the best lines in hockey, undisputed. Right? I mean,. Their power play, but a guy like Line A, I think enough said, right? We can all imagine just the amount of goal scoring and offensive ridiculousness that would you know exist there. So I mean you're forgetting who leads their team in points this season and is an all-star. Nazem Kadri. You're actually giving him a winger to play with. We talked about how like their depth on paper doesn't look great, but it seemed to have performed well in the playoffs last year. But if I'm adding Patrick Line, I don't care. He's just that good, and you give him actual players to play with. Like, even give him Nazem Kadri. That's the best center he's ever played with. Any disagreements on that point? 
Yeah, I guess he didn't really mm. he didn't really play with Mark Scheifele and Paul Stasny. On, on normal assignment, I agree. On like power play exposure, maybe like Mark Scheifele when they were all out there together on the power play. But normal assignment, maybe the best guy you could say is what Paul Stasny. Yeah, right? when, when Linus Stasny and uh, Ehlers, right? I think Ehlers all play together. No disrespect to Paul Stasny, but. Like, Paul Stasny's good. I think... Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, who he went with and who ended up being the choice was Seth Jones. And the thought there was, he's the best player available. He logs minutes. The D on their team look good on paper, but they struggled a little bit. So if you add Seth Jones, you can change the, like, matchups of who you play him with. We thought you play him with McCarr. You let Devin Taves take the two-way role in the second line. You're trickling down your depth of D, and your third pair will look so sexy. So, as much as I, I'm now sad that we didn't take line A for this team, this made sense, especially for a playoff team. Well, and it, I thought, too, that you could, you could put Seth Jones on your second pair if you wanted. There's often been... <laughs> Some criticism of as a top number one defenseman, he's getting quite the the, the lightning rod of hate in, in Chicago this year. But when you've got Kale McCarr on your team, he doesn't have to be the number one defenseman, and he can afford to to do to not have to do as much. And so it just made so much sense uh, to send him to college. Would you have changed this to and taken Lana? I don't know that I would. I like the idea of strengthening their decor even more. Evan? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like agree with Stu on this. I think, you know, it's it's, it's funny for some reason. I'm thinking of Vegas, who I can beat them actually. Um, like it's just like. You know, like, Vegas is terrific. You know, like, they make it, like, let's say the conference final or whatever it is. You know, they're, like, scoring. Everyone's scoring, and then their offense just dries up like that. Nothing. And, like, I could sort of see that with, like, the Avs and with Line A because, you know, every great goal scorer, I guess, with especially with Line A, like, we've seen how hot and streaky he could be, right? You know, like, when he's going, he's going. He looks like one of the best goal scorers in the world, right? When he's cold, I mean, he's, he's really cold. And so I think Seth Jones, you know, in, in this case is more of a safer pick, I guess you could say, but also just, it just helps them, right? Like defense wins you championships, as the saying goes. And I think, you know, the, the abs are already kind of stacked. I think their forward group is maybe, you know, on paper when you look at it, it's not like, oh my gosh, like a top, top end of it is great, but like overall the rest of it, you might question, but I think you can get, get the job done. And I think adding a guy like Seth Jones that, you know, has been underrated at different times of being able to chip in offensively. I think that it helps. And when you place him behind a guy like Kill McCartney, he has no pressure. I, I think someone like Seth Jones could really thrive in that environment. I still would have switched, but I, like I, I like you've almost convinced me into feeling okay with accepting this pick. <laughs> uh, up next, we have the Golden Knights. <laughs> I'll, take it, I'll take it. Yeah, we have the Golden Knights. And what was their problem? Let, uh, let me remind you. Chandler Stevenson played first-line center. There is a reason they traded for Jack Eichel. They don't have 
centers. They have premier wingers, and William Carlson's good, but he's not a number one center. Nor is the guy we took, but we had to pick between New Jersey and Buffalo, okay? We, we tried. We really tried. So we gave them Jack Hughes, just best available center on the board. He's young, he's very speedy, and I honestly think he could have done well having Mark Stone on his wing. Because he did have some issues with playing defense, so you had a guy who might be the only winger to win a Selkie kind of guy. You're doing well, and Chandler Stevenson did really well in the playoffs, don't get me wrong, I don't want to hate on him, but you get to shove him down the lineup a little bit, you're just helping your depth like crazy. Yeah, I mean, you're not even mentioning Max Pacioretty. You give you give Jack Hughes pretty much the best goal scoring winger he's ever got to play with so far in his career. No offense to like you know players that Miles can, Wood. can all agree like uh, right. I mean Max Pacioretty, I mean he's a proven thirty goal scorer at his best, like he pretty much almost had forty goals, it's like two two, three different times and then he come on. Right? So you got basically the best goal scoring winger he's ever gonna play with in his career at that point, hypothetically here. And you give him a pretty much a selkie level uh, forward that just is a winger. I mean, come on. Like I, I think Jack Hughes can figure it out and, and do pretty well for them there. Yeah, I think it would help him, help his career, and it would help Vegas. It's a win-win. Stu, there you go. Anything to add? No, not really. I I think that that's <laughs> that's pretty good shit. Like we sort of said, they need a center. There aren't many centers left. We had a little bit of debate about whether you go Hughes or Heischer, um, but then we remembered that last year going into the playoffs, Nico Heischer was injured, um, so he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have helped them very much. But uh, yeah, I think the Jack Hughes sort of at the end of the day made the most sense here. And then Evan, take us home. Uh, good old uh, Tampa Bay. The uh, I'll be preface this by saying that we almost did not give uh, Tampa a player just because we all agreed that Tampa was just so stacked. You know, we have defending champs. I mean, Tampa's just stacked. And we all agree that four wise are just ridiculous. Uh, it's a bit unfair. It's almost like a video game kind of, like a video game roster. Uh, defense, freaking stacked to get it done. I think even last year, I think some people would they address forget that like Ryan McDonough, Ryan McDonough was playing on the third pair. Actually, I, I, I'm not even kidding when I say well, that. The, yeah, they brought in ridiculous. they brought in David Savard. There you go, and, and and then like you know, I mean it's Vasilevsky. I mean, Vasilevsky's all world. It's the best goalie in, in the league right now, right, hands down. And yeah, but after Vasilevsky and that, like that's the one kind of weakness you could say that they have. So. You know, that's why, I mean, I think Stu can talk about this after I, I finish what I'm saying here. You know, the only team we had left was Buffalo. And Linus Omar did actually a pretty good job in Buffalo for multiple seasons. Uh, a bit similar to kind of like Gibson and then Markstrom, I guess, in that regard, really being able to play by a team. But, I mean, this is Buffalo. Okay? This is another level of, like, shittiness. And Linus Omar was able to put up some pretty – Good numbers. We're talking like nine seventeen, right, boys? Nine eighteen. Yes. Yep. Nine nine somewhere. Yeah, I mean, somewhere I mean, in the nine yeah. ten. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, still, like the, the, those are some pretty good numbers for playing on a not so good team, and so 
you plop him on a team like uh, Tampa Bay, I think uh, I think Linus Omar could uh, play pretty freaking well. Uh, just to just to update, it was a nine seventeen, a nine fifteen, and a nine oh five. Oh, and a nine thirty five, but that was in five games. That's so pretty sparkly. Yeah. <laughs> the only other, the only other debate I'll say around this pick was was taking somebody just just totally as a meme, um, and I semi semi fought for Tage Thompson because you cannot teach size. That guy's six foot seven and can shoot and can shoot. You throw on your throw on your third and fourth line. In Tampa, why not? Keep them as an extra in case somebody gets hurt. Why not? They don't need anybody, really. Just give them somebody fun. But ultimately decided that uh, if Fasileski gets hurt, we didn't want to have to go to Curtis McElhaney. As much fun as the McBackup is, he was not very good last year. Yeah, so my like I came up with Allmark and I hate it instantly. My reasoning, I didn't want to give them a guy who would actually do something for them. He's never gonna play, so this is as good as giving them nobody. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe Vasilevsky gets hurt, maybe he does. I'm not planning for it, so like Allmark just sits sits and collects in the ring. Like you're welcome, buddy. That's what you get for your long term suffering. You earned it. And so after this this exercise of drafting these players, we had to do something else with it. We couldn't just do just pick teams and pick players and be done with it, right, Riley? Fuck no! I'm not wasting time. I gotta win. So, so after we put in all this time and effort to to draft these teams. What did you do, Riley? Tell us. Please tell us. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. So, after which, I decided I have the game NHL 22. I can build these these rosters of what the teams look like in, going into the playoffs, and I can throw on these players and then run playoff mode. But I figured it's, it's EA. I don't trust one sim. It's not going to give me reliable data. So what we decided to do was build a sample size. And because we're all competitive and I like to win, we each picked a team that we thought would improve the most from how they actually did in real life. So, for example, I picked Toronto, and any time they made it out of the first round, because, you know, it's Toronto and they can't make it out of the first round in real life, I would get a point. And for every round above uh, that second round, I would get another point. So I picked a pretty safe bet there and thought Brady Kachuk is going to help that first line maul. So uh, I'm going to go to Evan to explain who he picked. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, I see the numbers, but I also had some other two other teams in mind, but I didn't pick them because I wanted to pick a team that hasn't won a cup yet. So that's why I went with the Panthers, because like I said, they were my dark horse last year. Um, I mean, adding Larkin to that team that was already pretty stacked and really, really exciting going into the playoffs. You know, I thought that, you know, they would have a good team, you know, going in. But again, 
And again, it's also EA's NHL games, so... Well, they also they had to face Tampa. Inside, be sure. And they got stuck I mean, playing Tampa. Yeah. There's also that, too. Yeah. And also that, too. I didn't, I didn't necessarily consider that. But uh, quickly, like, I... Now when I'm looking at it, you know, my thoughts of potentially having picked, like, the Penguins or the Caps with actual good goalies behind their, those teams, I think, might have been... Uh, my other picks, but you know what? You live and learn, and uh, I'll stick by the pick that I have with the Panthers. And then Stu? Uh, I almost instantly regretted my pick, realizing that the Avalanche had made the second... They made the second round last year. Yep. And so I picked the Avalanche, which admittedly set me back because then they had to make the third round or win the cup, essentially. They had to make the, the third or the fourth round, which is the Stanley Cup final, in order to win any points. Or win the cup to get that fifth. Yeah. yeah. So, admittedly, it was a bit of a dumb pick, because they didn't have a ton of upward mobility, um, unlike the Leafs or the Panthers or the Penguins or, all, or the Wild, there are all these teams that had more upward mobility that probably would have made a better choice. And I was stupid and thought, ah, give Seth Jones to the Island or give Seth Jones to the Avalanche and they'll never lose. But we live and we learn. So some fun stories to come out of my simming were, one, Crosby's nuts. In one of the sims, in two rounds, I believe he played six games and had 40 points. Now, it might have been more than six, but it was in two rounds, he had 40 points. So it's a maximum of 14 games and 40 points. He was nuts. The other fun one for me, my favorite player, Joe Thornton, playing for the Leafs in the first round, led the first round in scoring. You'll love to see the beard showing up. And then there's one other fun, well, not so fun story. Evan, you want to tell this one? So you can, if you can. So I forget the exact amount of points, but Sebastian Ajo was going off and got swept. He had the most points for anyone in the first round. I remember. Yeah. He had the most points for anyone in the first round and got swept. So we said, he's going to demand a trade. He's out of there. That's it. He's done. <laughs> yeah, that flips uh, Don Waddell off. You know, as a Habs fan, I will, I will welcome that any day. Yeah. And, he, and he goes and that demands a trade to Montreal. Yeah, exactly. Be like, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, when I, when I said I wanted to sign with him, I really meant it. I didn't want to come back. Admits that afterward, so it's all good. So, um, yeah, I know Evan. <laughs> I know Evan, Stu, and I have talked about the data to come out of it a little bit. The best team, yeah, was a tie. Actually, it wasn't a tie. It was Tampa was yeah. the best. Yeah, best average was Tampa. Best average was Tampa, but the best surprise pick. 
and the tie for the second best was the Avs, because they did win it once, and then they did pretty well otherwise. But the other team that was a big surprise were the Jets, who the Jets made it to the finals, or lost in the first round, more than any other outcome. Four cup finals, man. Four, four cup, cup finals, finals, but also four first round exits. Yeah. I mean, it was that kind of feast or famine for them, but four cup, I'll say four cup finals, right? Yeah. You think about it? Right? Four cup finals out of 10 runs overall, because we did 10 runs just to keep context here. I mean, that's pretty good. Hey, all I'm going to say is that Jacob Chigrin pick, that's pretty validated for me. It's hard for right. me to say because, like, you know, adding Shabbat, you're adding a lot of similar qualities. I mean, I, I, yeah, maybe maybe game wise because yeah. because it's you know what I mean and how they sim. I, yep. I think I agree with you there, but I think characteristically, you know, how they play in real life, I think it's I think it's different. I agree, but yeah, um, yeah. Th- that would that 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 was by far the biggest surprise. Is they were super feast or famine. The Islanders were terrible, but won the cup once. The only time they made it out of, like they had a they had a, a, a conference final once. They won the cup once, and then other than that didn't make much noise. The worst team were the Wild, and they were the worst... Actually, sorry, I take that back. They weren't the worst team. The worst team was the Predators, adding Patrick Kane. Hmm. Surprise. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I, don't think, I, don't think the, I don't think the game... I don't think the game likes UC Saros. <laughs> no, I, they seem to like big goalies. Who Sorry, little goalies. Sorry, little goalies. But the end result for our most improved contest were six for the Avs, even though they were tied for the second best team. As Stu pointed out, he didn't get that many points because they had to consistently be in the cup final in order for him to really compete. Second best with seven points was Evan. And for him, his Panthers never went the distance. They never made it to the finals once. They were either losing the first round or making a bit of noise, making it to the conference final, but not getting the job done. And it's surprising because we thought they had a pretty good roster and adding Dylan Larkin should be huge. In hindsight, maybe adding Tyler Pertuzzi makes a difference. Adding Mo Sider, something like that. Hard to know. But I won by a landslide picking the Leafs, getting a, a total score of 11 points. They never won the Cup. They made the finals once, but they made the conference finals twice and made it out of the first round three other times. So consistently were just getting me points. Almost every sim, I had a point. I mean, I went 70% getting a point. The other two... The Panthers were 40% and 30% for the Avs getting in points. So it was more about the consistency that added up for me rather than they were so good, won three out of 10 Stanley Cups. It was interesting. Now when I'm looking at it, I think consistency being a really key thing here. I mean, no doubt in some cases when you think about it at you know first glance, I guess, but like really 
consistency. I think Riley's leash did a fantastic job being consistent. I think the Jets were a bit they were consistently making the finals. So that really gave them a lot of points and really made them competitive. The Penguins would have been really good um, for this. They made the finals twice, made it yeah, in the first round. Like, you know, looking back data. Yeah. Like the Penguins and, and the Caps were, were fairly competitive, I think. Um, and Tampa just being Tampa won like three cups out of the 10 years, which is just but the really Cap- ridiculous. On top of the fact that they made three conference finals to that too. The Caps didn't, if I'm not wrong here, the Caps didn't lose in the first round in real life, correct? Yeah, they made this. They were in the second. They're in the second. Second round. Yeah. So they beat, they beat Boston in five games. Actually, they beat Boston. Yeah. So you'd only get three different times where you gain a point. No, they lost to Boston. Yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they did. Boston yeah. played. Oh, right. Boston you're, played you're the right. Islanders. Right. Yeah. But regardless, like yeah. you would have had multiple rounds where you would have lost points, actually, with them. Like it would have been similar to like Stu's abs pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no, no. I, so I think the Penguins were an interesting one. But I think they would have been the best pick. Yeah, because they didn't. Yeah, they in the in the real life playoffs they didn't make it out of the first round. So. No, and if you look at it, comparing it to my Leafs, like, it's the exact same amount of times losing in the first round. And then they made they made the finals twice rather than once. It's pretty, it'd be pretty close. Conference finals, same amount of times. Like, I think they'd win out by, like, one point. So adding Thatcher Demko really made a big difference for them. I just kind of find it funny, going back to saying consistency, I mean... Out of all our three teams, Stu's Avs were the only team to actually win the cup. Yeah. You know, Riley first 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 sim, his Leafs went to the cup final and lost, and I didn't even make it to the final, which would, that sucks, but I guess it's, it's Florida for you there. But yeah, Stu winning the cup. Still didn't didn't like uh didn't really make that much of a difference in the end. And I somehow like pipped him too by like one point here at the end. So there you go, consistency guys. I get a, uh, I get a, I get a loser's prize if my team made the cup final twice. All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, anything else to add before we wrap up, boys? We covered everything. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the first episode of The Real Housewives of Hockey.